sermon, 362. Thank you, fellas, for passing those handouts. I hope everybody got one. Did anybody not get one? Please raise your hand. Okay. I'd like to thank the leadership here at La Prada. Hey, Tim, I, I'm home. You know that. I mean, I've been, you're right, been here. Y'all have known me since I was a kid. So uh, I look at you guys, obviously, as family. Uh, now we're, we're married together, family, too. So that's wonderful. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, it has been a whirlwind couple of days, hasn't it? feel like we made the Kessler run in 12 parsecs on those buses, <laughs> exhausted. Hope you got a good night's sleep last night and uh, look forward to, uh, to speaking with you this morning, studying God's Word together for a little bit. Uh, this sermon uh, I've, I've given many different places over many, many years. When Bailey was going to college out at uh, West Texas, she said, Daddy, if they ever ask you to preach out here at Canyon, uh, I, I want you to give that sermon. Well, they never asked me while she was out there, so it didn't work out. But, uh, so you can blame her on this still this morning. As you can see by looking at your handouts there, we have a lot to cover, so we need to get to it pretty quickly. I'd like for all of you to take your Bibles... I'd really like to see pages turning this morning or, or this number on your, uh, you know, your electronic Bible there. Uh, go with us as we go through each one of these scriptures as we go through them. Now, some of them I'll read and briefly comment on. We may read three or four and then go back and comment on them together. But when we're done, I want to tie them all together because, believe me, loved ones, they do go together beautifully. And I guess the overall lesson this morning is communication with God. I'll come back to that later. Here we go. Although we may not know God, He knows everything about us. He knows when we sit down. He knows when we get up. He knows all of our ways. Psalms 139, verse 1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my setting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God even knows how many hairs are on your head. Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. You see, because God made us in his image. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it's in God, loved ones, that we live and we move and we exist because we are his offspring. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. When your mom and dad were young, and they dreamed of having a child someday, God knew you even before you were conceived. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Did you know that God wanted you to be his child? All the way back when he planned creation. I'm not talking about when creation happened. I'm talking about in the planning stage, even before then. He wanted you to be his child. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In him also we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. You were not a mistake. You were not uh, an accident. You were not just a combination of time and billions and billions of years and chance and evolution. Because all of your days, all of them, are written in God's book. Psalms 139 verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God decided exactly where you would be born, or when you would be born, and where you'd live. Acts 17 and verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. Uh, looking for a little one. Young ones. That's okay. I'll talk to you, Sean. You're younger than me, brother. God puts you together in your mommy's tummy. You see why I was looking for a little one for that? Okay, okay. all right. You are a tremendous an amazing creation. Psalms 139, verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. He is the one who brought us forth, or brought you forth on the day that you were born. Psalm 71 and verse 6. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. Now over the years, loved ones, God has been uh, misrepresented by those who do not know him. Although they claim to know him, they don't. John 8 and verse 41 says, You do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil. And the de desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. 
Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Loved ones, God is not distant and angry. He's been misrepresented that way by those that don't know him. He's not distant and angry. God is the complete expression of what real love is. I want to thank Zach for the choice of the songs this morning to help remind us of that. 1 John 4 and verse 16 says, And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and he, wants, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. He's the complete expression of what real love is. Love ones, it's God's desire to pour out his love on his children for no other reason than we are his children, and he is our father. First John 3 and verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. God offers us more than our earthly fathers ever could. Matthew 7 and verse 11 says, if you, then, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who seek him? Because he is the perfect, perfect Father. Matthew 5 and 48, Therefore you shall be perfect even, or just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Loved ones, every good thing that we have comes from his hand. And he never changes. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is our provider. If we'll seek him, he will always give us what we need. Not always what we want or what we think we need, but what we actually need. Matthew 6 and 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God's plan for the future of his children has always been filled with hope. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Because God loves his children with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. God is always thinking about us. His thoughts toward us are as countless as the sands on the seashore. Psalms 139, verse 17 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Did y'all know that God sings? He rejoices over his children with singing. Sammy, that's a trivia question. You can save that one right there. Yeah, God sings. All right. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God saves. God will never stop doing good to his children because he wants to establish us with all of his heart and all of his soul. God's soul. We don't hardly ever mention that. Jeremiah 32 verse 40 says, And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Because God's children are his treasured possession. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5 says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. He wants to show us awesome things, things that we can't even comprehend. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. If you look for God with all of your heart, loved ones, you will find him. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you're in distress, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. If we'll make our delight in him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Psalms 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Because, loved ones, God is the one who gave us the desire to do good. Philippians 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is able to do more for us than we could possibly, possibly imagine. I can only imagine. Whew. We watched that show on the bus yesterday. I'm, I'm still a little weepy over it. But uh, every time I hear that word imagine now, I'll think of that. But listen to Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Because first of all, loved ones, God our Father is our greatest encourager. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 16 says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation, And good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He's also the Father who comforts us in all of our troubles. 2 Corinthians 13, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When you get your heart broken, and you will, 
God is close to you. Psalms 34 and verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. When we get hurt, and we will, then just like a shepherd picks up and carries a little lamb, God carries us close to his heart. Isaiah 40 and verse, 40, uh, verse 11, Isaiah 40 and verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. One of these days, God's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to take away all the pain that his children have suffered on this earth. Revelations 21 and verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. He is our Father, and he loves us as much as he loves his own son, Jesus. John 17, verse 22. Jesus' prayer to his Father. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, talking about his disciples, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Because in Jesus, God's love for us is revealed. John 17, same chapter, verse 26, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. It's in Jesus, loved ones, that we get to, uh, uh, to see an exact representation of who and what God is. Hebrews 1, verse 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus came to demonstrate that God is for us not against us. Romans 8 and 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, our sins had separated us from the Father. And Jesus came and died so that we might be joined again to our Heavenly Father. Through the cleansing blood of Christ, you and I could be reconciled back to God. Our sins forgiven and not counted against us anymore. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In Jesus' death, we see the ultimate expression of God's love for us. 1 John 4 and verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. God gave up his beloved son, his only begotten son, so that we might have a chance. Because without him, as good as we may think we are, without him on our own, we are lost. Romans 8 and 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If we receive the gift of his son Jesus, then we receive the Father as well. 1 John 2 and verse 23 says, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. But he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And if we do that, nothing will ever separate us from God's love again. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants us to come home. If we do... He'll throw the biggest party heaven's ever seen. Luke 15 and 7 says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. From eternity to eternity, loved ones, from infinity to infinity, he has always been and will forever be our heavenly Father. Ephesians 3 verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. His question for you today, will you be his child? John 1 verse 12 says, For as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. God the Father is waiting on you right now. In Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal, riotous living. But when he had spent all, there arose a great famine or severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he gladly would have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants 
have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, and I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I, I, I have sinned, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight, uh, and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was a, still a great way off, his father saw him. <clears throat> Think there's an accident? That his father saw him? Or do you think, like I tend to think, that his father spent many, many hours, many, many nights, maybe with uh, crying with tears in his eyes, I don't know, standing on his tiptoes, scanning that horizon in hopes. Just looking, praying that his child would come home. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. We made it through all of them, didn't we? Made it through all those scriptures on that page. I know y'all were worried. You look at that thing. Back in my, uh, what I t refer to as my B, K, and G days, that was before Kathy and the girls, B, K, and G. Y'all know, y'all knew me back then, okay? I was really quite a character, I guess, to say the least. That's probably putting it kindly. I was really kind of a sensitive sort of guy. I mean, uh, look, Sammy, if I was dating a girl, uh, I did all that cutesy stuff, you know what I mean? You held, I held hands, I sent love letters, wrote poems. I even sang to them. I used to could sing. Uh, I sent them flowers and candy and cards and stuffed animals. I spent literally a fortune on that kind of stuff. And, man, I even went so far late one time as to, oh, brother, I put a, had a specialized license plate on my, my pickup truck that said, so-and-so's teddy bear. Oh, my goodness, had cute little flowers. Oh, my goodness, how sweet, how precious. Oh, man, I, uh, how embarrassing, that's what I say now. What a doofus. Anyway, now I've been married 31 years, fixing to be 59, Lord willing. And I look back on those days, and I just, <laughs> Sean, I just shake my head, dude. I, oh. Don't get me wrong, I still hold my, hands wide, uh, my wife's hand when she can catch me. I hold hands with her. I send flowers and cards to my girls from time to time. Now they both have different last names. Thank you. Wonderful. Yep. 
send flowers and cards to them from time to time. And when I send a card, I like to write a little, little love letter, if you want to call it that, usually inside the card. And I am always amazed at the response that I get even now from my girls or from Kathy when they get a little card or flowers from their daddy. Response to get from Kathy when I write her a little heartfelt message. Doesn't have to be much. I know I ought to do it more often because uh, there is no one on this earth that deserves it more. And that kind of lovey-dovey attention than, than my Kathy does. Uh, I think she's exactly what God had in mind when he said it's not good that man be alone. I'll make a helper, a help meet for him. What's amazing to me, though, is the response that I still get from just a little love note. Because I've been married to this woman for a long time. I see her every day. I know what she looks like in the morning. She knows what I look like in the morning. We both understand what morning breath is. It's horrible. And I'm, I'm not on mine. Yours is great, honey. Mine's horrible. Uh, and although we're so familiar... So familiar. Just a little note. A little heartfelt message brings us both to tears sometimes. It's really quite wonderful, fellas. Now, I said when we started that we were actually today talking about communication between our Father in Heaven and us here on Earth. Now, usually when we mention communicating with God, we're, usually we're talking about prayer. All right? And sadly, sometimes we think that's the only way we can communicate. With God is dropping to our knees and giving thanks and usually asking him for stuff, right? But we've communicated with him today in this service, in our singing, Amen. haven't we? And in our praying and in our praising him, we've communicated with God. But how does God communicate with us? Once again, sometimes I think we refer back to prayer and that God communicates us by answering our prayers. And I'm sure that's one way, absolutely, that he communicates with us, but it's not the only way. Loved ones, God communicates with us. He speaks to us. His spirit speaks to us through his word. That's it. Through his word. Uh, how much of that message we perceive, though, is really up to us and how open our heart is to him how willing we are to listen to what the scriptures say. Just like this morning, we have gone through, we have looked at 46 different scriptures this morning. Passages, every one of them have a common bond that they are from the Bible, they are from God's word. But more than that, believe it or not, these scriptures, every one of them, although they span from Genesis all the way to Revelation, they contain a message I've often wondered what God would say to us if he were to just simply write us a letter. The thing is, he has. He has and does communicate with us through his word. I believe that if God were to drop us a little love letter, a little love note, it would contain all these scriptures that we uh, looked at today and what they mean to us. And a love letter from our Father might sound something like this. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down, when you rise up, and I'm familiar with your ways. 
even the very head, hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake or an accident or a combination of time and chance and evolution, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I brought you forth on the day you were born. Now, I've been misrepresented by those who don't know me because I am not a distant and angry God. I am the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you're my child and I'm your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I'm your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sands on the seashore. And I rejoice over you, even with singing. I'll never stop doing good for you. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, because you are my treasured possession. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me. And I'll give you the desires of your heart, for it's I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I'm your greatest encourager. I'm the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you're brokenhearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I've carried you close to my heart. One day I'll wipe away every tear in your eyes. I'll take away all the pain you've suffered on this earth. I am your father. And I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. Your sins forgiven and not counted against you anymore. His death is the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up my precious son, my only begotten, so that you and I could be together again. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, then you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you and from my love again. Come home, please, come home. And I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. Will you be my child? I'm waiting. With unending love, your father which art in heaven. I believe this is what a father's love letter to all of us would say. And I believe his message for us and always will be in his word. It's up to us to search it, to receive it, to accept it, 
and to live it out in our lives. Now, if you're here today and you are not his child, then this letter is not for you. But God wants you to be his child. He pleads with you to come, come to him in faith. Because Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Well, how do you get faith? Where does it come from? Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. That's right. We've heard a lot of scriptures this morning, haven't we? We've heard a lot from the Word of God. After you hear and after you believe, the next step to becoming a child of God is repentance. What does that mean? Well, it means turn around. Change. You're going down the wrong road, turn around, go the other direction. You're going down your path, the one you've chosen, the one the world has chosen for you, if you want to call it that. Okay, down the wrong way, let's just say it that way, and you want to turn around. And go God's way. Go the righteous way. Repentance. Second Peter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hear and believe and repent. The next is confess. Confessing our belief in Jesus. Matthew 10 and 32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me, this is Jesus' words, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. And then the scary part right after that, whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father in heaven. We need to confess our belief in Jesus Christ with our mouth and with our deeds, with our actions, every day. We don't have to wear a tag that says we're a Christian. People ought to be able to look at us. And how we, behave, how we not only act, but how we react when things happen. Boy, I'm not sure that's not even a bigger sign of who we are. Confessing our belief. And then be baptized. Be baptized. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preached what we refer to as the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he was preaching it to, to the, a lot of the people in that crowd were the ones who had actually crucified Jesus. Actually said, crucify him. And, oh my goodness. Well, as the word of God does, it reached in there and broke their hearts. It says they were pricked in their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts 2 and 38, Peter tells them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So hear and believe and repent and confess and be baptized for the remission of sins. And loved ones, that's how you become a child of God. That's the plan of salvation as the Bible has laid it out to us. You come up out of that water, 
The blood of Jesus has washed away your sins. You are a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Loved ones, if you haven't done those things, if you are not a child of God, then that Father's love letter is not for you. But he wants you to be one. He wants you to answer his invitation and become a child of God today. Or if you are and, and you need the prayers of the church for any reason, if there's one of either class, won't you come as we stand and sing?